The following audio is derived from a conversation I had with Irish Granny Taro, a.k.a. Helen, which was published on her YouTube channel on July 3rd, 2023. She kindly gave me permission to publish it here on my podcast. She doesn't have a podcast. I'll put a link to the original episode on her YouTube channel in the description in case you prefer to watch the original video. Thank you very much, Helen, for having me on your channel again. I hope my listeners find this interesting. Kate Milafalto, welcome to Irish Granny Tarot. And uh, an impromptu visit from our honored guest, John of Aquarian Diary. Uh, John and I communicate back and forth, and welcome, John. Thank you. And, or as they say in my country, Falcha. Um, he uh, did a, an epic interview. Did you just post it yesterday? Was this only yesterday? Yesterday, I think it was, yeah. Oh, my God. It's, I know the time, eh? The time. Time has, it, it's weird. Time has Very no weird. meaning anymore. Yeah. With uh, Scott Be Becker. 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 Yeah. Dr. Scott Becker. And it was fabulous. If you haven't seen it, look for it on YouTube. It's absolutely wonderful. So what are we going to talk about, John? Don't know. We could talk about the weather. Or what we're going to do with all these, when everyone gets raptured, what are we going to do with all their property? Well, that I was just telling John, I had a little joke with a, a close friend of mine who found Jesus because apparently he was lost. And she became a really extreme fundamentalist and eventually left town. But she was all about the rapture. She was really into that Tim LaHaye series, uh, Left Behind. And I asked her one day, you know, when you get raptured, can I have your canned goods? <laughs> she was so mad. Because <laughs> well, I didn't I have the appropriate amount of solemnity about the whole thing. You know? I would have gone for the car. <laughs> yeah, you have to understand that we live in a very small place. I walk everywhere, so. Yeah, well, you can always use a car. I guess. Especially if it's free. <laughs> Karshmar, you know, <laughs> that's true. So you guys were talking. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, that's assuming the whole family gets raptured and then there's no one left behind. Oh, well, we can talk about that, <laughs> talk about that off of the recording. I, I would respect your privacy, but I venture to guess I could name at least one person in her family who's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this terrible? You don't want to be my friend. This is how I talk. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for it to happen. It's going to be fascinating. <laughs> so you guys were talking yesterday about the rapture and about the people who really truly believe that there's going to be this shift that will be appreciable, noticeable. Uh, in a moment, everything will change suddenly. And I was hoping you'd talk more about that because I had questions. Well, uh, Dr. Becker, Scott, uh, is a clinical psychologist. And uh, he studied kind of in a tradition, and, and I'm no expert on the subject, but that came from Jung and, and, well, Freud initially, then Jung, and then Hillman, who he studied with or has focused on. And he actually wrote a foreword to one of his books, so he had quite a bit of involvement with Hillman. But they deal with archetypal psychology, and he's kind of looking at you know, the symbolism of that and overlaying it onto what's going on in the world today. And because we're trying to understand all these 
you know, from our perspective, these absolutely crazy things that are happening and these trends that we're witnessing. And because we had started to chat on some of my videos on my channel, Aquarian Diary, and we connected initially that way. And then we started to chat, you know, off YouTube. <clears throat> and then I said, well, let's do a discussion. So we had this like epic two hour long discussion, which I could have gone on for hours more. It was just incredible. Like it, there were so many streams of thought that came up that I just wanted to pursue, but I knew I couldn't because we had this time limit. So um, it just, it was, it was very thought provoking. And he has a tremendous, he's been a clinical psychologist for 30 years. So he has a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience and from a scholarly perspective. And of course, the other thing that's really interesting about him is that as a scholar, he's interested in this woo-woo stuff. He's quite yeah. good at astrology and uh, he's open to all of these uh, sort of spiritual um, esoteric uh, topics and subjects. I mean, I'm just fascinated that alone to me that someone yeah. can be scholarly and, you know, discussing mm -hmm. the kinds of topics that we're discussing. That alone is absolutely fascinating. That was my favorite because uh, the favorite, my favorite aspect of the whole conversation was the fact that here is somebody who is a legitimate member of an established scientific um well, status quo, you know, and, and yet he's open-minded. That's unusual. But I have to say one thing. He's been a clinical psychologist for 30 years. You're making me feel like Methuselah because I thought he was so young. He does look young, but yes, oh it's, it, he gave me his bio and he's been involved in this for 30 years. Good God. He looks yeah. a baby to me. Oh. Yeah, maybe we should all be clinical psychologists. Oh, for our I don't health. Know. Most of them, I think, get tied <laughs> up in knots, don't they? I don't know. Well, I mean, the thing about, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about, like, the because he's also quite on top of the environmental crisis and extremely, yeah. Yeah. extremely concerned about that, and so am I. So we spent a lot of time talking about that, too. But the broader implications, like, what is driving, what are driving these trends? You know, like, earlier today, I was reading in Deutschwelt, which is a, English version of one of the German newspapers. And you were going to tell me you were reading it in German. I was going to turn this off. I just, oh, I would have, I thought you were going to, I, I would have, I thought you would have been impressed with my ability to speak That's German. What I mean. Overwhelmed. Oh, I no. <laughs> well, they, there's a English version of that publication. And they were describing this phenomenon in Eastern Germany, which was the former Soviet part of, Jum of Germany. Right. Uh, you know, it lived in it under a totalitarian regime. And 50% of the people in East Germany now want, like specifically, uh, explicitly want an authoritarian government. It, 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 I just find that like so bizarre. Yeah, you were you guys were talking about that and you were both expressing sort of disbelief in it. And I was so tempted. I wanted to get on the phone and call him and talk to him <laughs> about this. Because, you know, here we go. I recommend this book at least once a video, The Cult of Trump, in which he does talk about how people who are raised in a patriarchy. So this doesn't have to be, it can be a secular patriarchy, but often it's combined with a theocratic worldview. And when they're raised in that kind of an environment, they are neurologically changed 
and predisposed to seek out external authoritarian control. They do not feel comfortable in their own skin making decisions about right and wrong. They want an external authority to tell them what to do. And, well, and yeah. it's simplistic, but that's, you know, the basics. Well, yeah, I, and, and I, I kind of understand that to a limited degree. But there's also, this is happening in Spain, Italy, Greece, Sweden, even, you know, um, there's this uh, upper upwelling of this, these far right extremists. Yeah. And, you know, Scott and I talked about this, too. And and we kind of think that it's even if it's subconscious, people are starting to freak out because, you know, the world is so unstable. There's so many things going on right now that um, appear to be it, it's almost like it's out of control. Well, and what happens when things uh, start to feel chaotic or unstable, like the money in the um, wheelbarrows in Germany after World War One, for example, that kind of instability and fear mm. makes people seek out a strong authoritarian leader. Ruth Ben Gayet, I, I did her book, Strong Men. Yeah. And that's what's happening. And you and Scott, and a lot of people here on YouTube are taking it one step farther. And I think this is where the general population uh, misses out. You have to step back and realize this is global. And it's because there are forces beyond our understanding, mostly. Right. Cosmic forces that are affecting this. And this is not woo-woo. This is not... Uh, any particular religion, it's plasma physics, basically. It's it's the reality of our material world is that it's not just a material world. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's very hard for people like us to kind of grok, uh, to use a old... I, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. Heinlein, was it? Uh, but um, to, to kind of comprehend or understand that worldview it's very foreign you know to me and so well, can i can you feel, you feel like a stranger in a strange land <laughs> yeah you know, i do yes i that's true and i always have but you know this is we've kind of been seeing this i mean there were there were glimmers of this in the early 2010s you know with the golden dawn in greece and, yes. and some things like that remember that yeah. Right. That was that was like twenty. What was that? Twenty fourteen or twenty twelve or something. Yeah. Um, but then it's just been kind of creeping more and more. Sort of going. I don't want to say it's mainstream because it's not really. But then again, if you look at the trends in the United States, there's an awful lot of people who are leaning that way. But as you say, the, I don't necessarily completely buy the notion that people are wired that way from their upbringing because, you know, I do astrology readings for people around the world, and I've talked to a lot of Americans who are either expats, like they've literally left the country, or, or they're just Americans who grew up in red areas, but they're quite progressive. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, like some of my friends actually are are like that. So it's it's not a foregone conclusion that somebody... No, 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 no it's not. Not, not. Nothing is written in stone. I mean, look at look at me. Of course, I'm, I feel very, very late to the party. I was mm -hmm. busy... Uh, reproducing for God. <laughs> I was busy with raising children, you know, right. and uh, really didn't have the emotional wherewithal to worry about things like the Golden Dawn in Greece and what my teenage daughters were doing. It's, right. it's difficult. But so I'm late to the party, but 
I escaped, literally, I think, escaped from a patriarchal theocratic upbringing. Yeah. 17 years. Yeah. Catholic yeah. school. You know, why, well, okay. why well, yeah, that's I'm not in a, in a prairie dress? Well, that's the question. What, um, what do you think? It's different? chronic. It's what, past think, lives. And that was the so? burning question that you guys didn't talk about that I was shouting at you. Talk about reincarnation. Ask him his viewpoint on reincarnation. Mm. I think a lot of it has got to do with the lessons that you come here to learn. Right. And my lesson wasn't to learn that, that you know, the, the male authority figure knows it all. That's not. Yeah, or, or you already learned that lesson in previous lifetimes. Or I'm here to resist it. Yeah. Yeah, I know, like, I don't dispute that at all. Uh, but there seems to be 20, 25, 30% of the population, you know, and like that, there's 20% that's quite hardcore. Yeah. Uh, that are in that sort of vein. Mm -hmm. um, and and it is it is peculiar because, you know, it's not rational because if, like, if you look at someone like, trump like he's so inept right like you know that it's just laughable that someone like that could actually be the president as far as i'm concerned so it's not a rational this is not rational the, the, no it's not rational and i think it's almost self-defeating in some ways yes. i might get overwhelmed to try to figure it out yeah i have to bring it back in and apply what little i've learned to my immediate personal environment and and hope that the hope sorry I, I use the h word that the ripples will make some sort of difference if we all did that it would you know? well yeah and 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 then the other question is why now right why why has this been coming to the fore in recent history i did a couple videos on the astrology of this yeah one was yeah. the astrology of mass delusion and the other oh what was the other one astrology but uh, there was two that I did, like, just Author looking at authoritarianism. Hang on, I'll tell you. I don't know. It's all a blur. Uh, yeah. Well, far-right extremism. I did one on mass delusion and another on far-right extremism because there's, there's parallels between some of the transits that were occurring in the 1930s. Yes. And what have been occurring in the 2010s and, yes. and currently, which is fascinating. But it still doesn't quite explain why some people go one direction and others go another. And then, of course, the qu the other question is, how extreme does this get? Like, how far down this road are we going to go? Because one of the things that concerns me is that the environmental crisis is dramatically worsening. And I'm afraid that that's going to introduce a lot of instability and insecurity into society, which is what triggers these people to begin with. It absolutely is, and I, I'm going to make a horrible confession here, and uh, I want YouTube to know that this is not what I believe. This is a joke. <laughs> no. you know? I hope the uh, algorithm's smart enough. I doubt it. No, they're not, because I've gotten in trouble for cracking jokes. Uh, the, um, the the before time. Well, wait, 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 wait. Maybe you just want to word it. Um... I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cryptically, cryptically. Uh, in the before times, my husband and I used to talk about these things a lot, and he would always say, he's, because he's from a microbiology medical background, he'd always say, listen, you don't have to worry. He says, Mother Nature is going to take care of everything. All we need is one good pandemic. 
I'm sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, the last one wasn't quite uh wasn't quite big enough. Dramatic to do the job. Enough, let's yeah. use that word. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I hesitate to talk about it at all. It always gets me into trouble, but you see where this is going. You see the point I'm trying to make. Right. Mother Nature will take care of herself, but yeah. that may be to our detriment. A lot of other uh beings on the planet will also suffer but it, this is not the first time so not not our first rodeo this has happened now, before on that point how can i express this without getting digging the hole even deeper um this is the, and i and i complain a lot about this is like it, we we are unable to express the truth i've done videos on this topic uh it's like in china if you say certain words you know, they will literally, like in some cases, if you talk about certain things, they'll throw you in prison. It's not quite that bad in the West, but there's certain, like, we're dancing around it right now. And this is a form of censorship. And it's mostly because the algorithms are too stupid to be able to determine what is legitimate usage of terms and phrases versus non-legitimate. That's just because the programmers suck. Okay, the, hopefully I didn't get you in even deeper trouble. But my point, though, about the issue that humanity faced in the recent years when we had to spend a lot of time at home well you know those of us who were being responsible um it the re the, the people that has worn people down to the point now that my concern is that if there is another such event in the near future Correct. no one will do a damn thing and it'll just run through and if it is more if it has a higher success rate from its perspective it could be completely devastating. I, I have had these thoughts. Yeah. And I right now, you know the one, you know the one that's affecting the, the creatures that fly around in the sky yeah. with feathers? Yeah. Well, they've had like a mass. It's like die off. I, I, in fact, I was I commented in my discussion with Scott that like where are all the birds? Yes. <laughs> you know, because they're yeah. just yeah. Uh, there's a fraction of what normal what you would normally have here at this time of year. And we, I live in the north, well, so they migrate. It didn't start now. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but before I forget, because I'm very likely, I have no short-term memory retention anymore. Um, when the colonial times, when the Europeans came to North America, there are written descriptions of mm. the sky from horizon to horizon as dark as night. The flocks like, of birds were so I can, big. I know. It must have been incredible. Like uh, just so so much majesty of nature, right? But the, what's been happening in recent years, though, is that there's a there's an avian version of this. Yes, that is wiping out mass yes. numbers of birds, and they're concerned that it could cross into mammals. And there's already been a few cases where that has happened, and it has a very high mortality rate. So that is looming out there just because of the scale of it. The low. Yeah, the longer it's out there, the more likely it is to mutate and so on. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but the bigger, my main point was just that if it did, you know, we're sitting ducks because no one would take it seriously. No one will take it. I 100% agree. Uh, you triggered a, a memory for me. I, I yesterday planned a little bit what I was going to talk about today, not thinking that we would have the opportunity. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is this article that I've read about um, in London. I don't know if it's all over England, 100% in London. Businesses, stores, shops mm. are starting to use facial 
recognition technology yeah. on everyone who comes in. Yeah. So if they're shoplifting, they can target particular people. And then they send warnings to all the other shops, don't let this person come into your store, so that when they cross the threshold, it sets off an alarm based on their face. Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? Does that scare you the way it's there, there's, there needs to be laws against that. Like, we're gonna, going we, we don't have legislation to deal with all this new technology. I mean, they're talking about doing legislation for AI. But the problem is that politicians are so clueless about technology. Like right now we're having this huge thing in Canada because the federal government basically wanted to tax Google and Facebook and the other social media platforms and then redistribute that money to publishers because the publishing industry is getting decimated. Like it's on its last legs. You know, we need journalism, obviously. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of journalism. You know, where would we be without journalism? Um, and so it's a major problem. But the way they went around, went about it is just ridiculous. Because basically they, what they want to do is they want to charge Google for linking to an article. Not republishing it, just linking to it. And the the argument is from Google's perspective is, we're promoting the article for free. Like people are finding it and clicking on the link and going to the publisher and reading it. It's almost like we're giving them a free classified. Why should we be paying them to do that? So what we're going to do instead is we're just going to not link to news content anymore that comes from Canada. Both Google and Facebook have said they're going to do that. You're kidding. No. And now, because the government came out with this bill, it's called Bill C-18, and the, the now, it's, it, this is a bit, I'm just skimming the surface, because Australia's tried to do something similar, but there's a, there's a bit of a difference, because in Australia, the, public, the platforms could go and negotiate with the publishers to work out some kind of deal, whereas the, the federal government here basically wants to regulate it, and it would amount to hundreds of millions of dollars a year. <clears throat> Another aspect of it that's just ridiculous is that most of the something like 75% of the revenues would go to certain major publishers. And it so all the money was going to go into the established mainstream publishers. And then there's all these smaller publications out there who are not going to benefit at all from this. So it's a mess. But the, it's, it's really disturbing the whole publishing situation. As, as somebody who likes to read, I'm yeah. completely aware every time I go on a hunt for a new book, I'm totally aware that my access to choices is more and more limited. I, I, I find this whole thing, I've been meaning to do an, a topic on this because I do have a background in technology. I had a technology company for a number of years. And, um, and the conglomeration uh, in so few hands, I think is alarming. We should be really profoundly disturbed by this. The, the reason that Google and Facebook and these other players have kind of wiped out the media is because they have these really sophisticated advertising uh, uh, applications and software that can basically highly target advertising to people based on you know a wide range of information that, that they've scraped from you for years. Well, a small publisher can't replicate that. So all the advertising dollars have been going to these platforms like Google and AdSense and all these other things. And uh, and the a lot of the publishers in 
prior times, they used to make a lot of revenue from things like classified ads. Yeah. Because that was the only way to, you know, if you, when I was a kid, you'd buy the newspaper, there'd be like a full size newspaper, there'd be, you know, five, six pages of classified oh, it ads. It was fun to read the classified Yeah. And people paid for each one of those, right? So that was like a part of their bread and butter. And of course, that went with Kijiji and, uh, you know, uh, the other online marketplaces like Craigslist and stuff, because, you know, they can't compete, right? So anyway, uh, but the point is, is that we now have kind of like a war between social media platforms and the Canadian government. And yeah, as it stands right now, they're going to pull the plug. Facebook will not let anyone in Canada post news articles. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you know, John, you, you, I think you better than a lot of people understand the, the abyss, the depth of my uh, lack of understanding of technology. I barely comprehend Sorry. what you're talking about. <laughs> However, yes, I, I do superficially comprehend that we are uh, losing access to information at an alarming rate, and it is all about the profit. It's all about, yeah. it's always all about the money. Yeah. And the details, you know, the technological details, I don't always understand. I really don't understand AI. I just know that Elon Musk wants to upload his brain, his consciousness into the iCloud. This is a sickness. <laughs> well, well, the problem, and I, I talked a lot about this with Scott uh, yesterday, is that when you get so much control in the hands of a few corporations, they can change the playing field, change the, like, you know, we've both complained about, you know, this platform even where, you know, you say something, it might be a totally legitimate use of a term, and then you get, you get uh, penalized for it. Yeah, inadvertently. Yeah, like you, and you don't even, you're not even 100% sure why, right? You don't oh, even I know. know. Yeah. It doesn't make I sense half the time. Know. Why I got in trouble last time. You kept the recording and I went back and watched it and immediately, oh, okay, that was a joke. <laughs> right. Well, well, I mean, I had the experience uh yesterday. Somebody commented. It was a actually Scott made a wrote a really cool comment and uh very articulate. And <laughs> and it didn't show up under the video. Now I saw it because I'm the content creator. And I'm like, there's nothing objectionable in this comment at all. Like, why, why did they block it? it? No explanation, no logic, no justification. But what that does, because it happens, it happens quite a bit. What that does is it it uh, interferes with the flow of communication and discussion. And it's yeah. kind of like it's a form of censorship. It now, that's 100 censorship. It curtails people's willingness to comment. Right, and and if you look at what's happening now with Twitter. And that platform has basically been destroyed in the past year, year and a half. With so I hear. <laughs> uh, and so what I, my point is, is that we are extremely vulnerable. What happens if they just change the game and now suddenly we can't talk about these kinds of things anymore? Oh, uh, uh, that's coming. Well, but what, what I'm saying is that we need to develop alternatives. That's what we should be doing right now. Yeah, I that, that aren't that aren't under the control well like okay here's another here's another example like um uh oh what's the big uh why did my brain just go blank i use it sometimes there's another platform right now that there's a huge debate because they want to they want to 
shut down the API, um, it'll come to me. But there's a huge community of people there, like millions oh, of people. Oh, oh, TikTok? No. Uh, I don't know why my brain is going blank about this. Instagram? No, it's not Instagram. It's probably one that you're not aware of. But oh. it does... It, well, it's because it's a, it's a bit more of a techie kind of space. Yeah. Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. Okay, so Reddit, Reddit has this huge community, millions of users, and all of the content on Reddit is generated by the users. Their discussions, and they have all these you know millions of little subgroups and on all various kinds of topics and interests, right? So, for years, Reddit has been creating all the massive and massive amounts of content and now they want to go public so they they're going to do an ipo and go on the stock exchange and reddit said that well we have to make in order to do that to make profit we have to make all these changes and there was a huge battle that was going on between the community and the people running reddit because it was going to materially alter the way the platform worked or didn't so that's just another example of how uh, vulnerable we are because there's literally only a few of these. So what I'm saying is that we need like a an open source platform that has its as part of its mission statement is that it will never sell to one of these major companies like Google or Facebook or because that's what happens is players like Google will go and they they buy up all these startups and sometimes because they have come up with smart ideas they'll just go buy a company for like fifty million dollars or whatever. And often what happens is that they'll take that company and then they just put it in a closet somewhere. They're, they're not necessarily buying it to always to benefit from the technology. They often buy it to get rid of it. Yeah, so not non-competition. Yes, they bury it. I've seen that happen so many times. Because so what they have, because they have so much money, they can do that, right? So the playing field isn't fair. My point is, but if you did an open source, which means that it's the product is developed by a community of volunteers, you could develop a platform with part of its mission that it would never sell to, that it would always be a community-oriented platform, and it would probably compete significantly with these other people. So my point is, is that... Somebody my, done well, well, I, I, I think what happens is that people go out and they develop tools and technology and platforms and then you know some google comes along and says hey you know we'll give you 50 million bucks and you know there's three or four people who have started the company they're like oh i'm gonna get like 15 million bucks or whatever yeah it's hard to say no to that so you'd have to have it as part of your mission statement or some kind of founding documents or whatever that would say that that is explicitly never going to happen but it's well, also Oh, I'm sorry, let me, I'll say one other thing. It's also very expensive. Like if you have a big site with lots of usage, you know, you pay a lot of money for hosting and data and there's a lot of expenses that go along with that too, but there, you could come up with ways to at least cover your costs and some staff to keep the thing operational. Like a site like Reddit, Reddit is probably gonna get destroyed by what's happening because the people in charge just wanna make money. And that's exactly what happened to Facebook. In the early days of Facebook, the platform was actually phenomenal for connecting with people. I made friends that are still friends now, yeah, years, you know, years ago. But it's completely, it's completely useless now. They just, because they, they monetized it so much that they made it almost useless. Anyway, well, that's my dive. I've got a book coming up here in, in a couple of weeks, probably. 
and I want, I like to keep it a little bit of a surprise to tantalize people, but uh, it discusses at great length the historical and present day evolution of psychopathy in world leadership and its effect on humanity, the history of humanity. And it's very detailed, it's very interesting. But mm, let me see. Yeah. So it talks about emperors and dictators and, you know, Mm-hmm. strong men and specifically it's really interesting uh ultimately it comes to modern times can you guess where it lands does, does it begin yes. with a t no it's not a specific person oh okay what what are we talking countries countries or no movements? what we're Political talking movement? what what is the psychopath of today that drives everything like the psychopathy? Um, what the person? <laughs> I'm not sure what we're referring to. Yeah, we're talking about corporations. We're talking about capitalism. Oh, capitalism. They've taken over the place of... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You and, know, and so what you're talking about with this information and mm. trying to step on the competition, that kind of thing, um, in my mind, anyway, this is my theory... You've got two two forces at work that intersect, don't always have common goals, but often do. And one is capitalism, and the other is that drive for authoritarianism, that fascist sort of authoritarian drive. And working hand-in-hand, hand, really, for personal gain and power. And that's what it always comes down to. He, yeah. he hones in in this book. He hones in on the actual individuals who drove things that ended up being empires. For example, just out of the blue, Napoleon. Yeah. You know, and it, that one psychopath with enough moxie to get the ball rolling, you know, that's that's usually all it took in history. But now we're in a place where corporations, capitalists are doing yeah, yeah. the psychopathic things that keep people down. And you were talking, I think that you guys were talking yesterday about keeping people in poverty, yeah. you, you know, trying to pay off student loans, trying to provide medical coverage for your family. Uh, it, it, it's a form of slavery. Yeah. Yes. Well, you could argue that, you know, uh, if you want to repress people and you can't do it overtly, then you just make life so challenging that they're basically powerless. And they, and then they, and then they start going off into conspiracy theories and stuff, like, because they're just, they feel like at a loss, out of control and they're, they begin, they get paranoid and like, you know, they retreat into Netflix. I hear this all the time from my children who have a social conscience, but especially the older ones who have small kids themselves, they'll say to me, Mom, I can't talk about this anymore. I, I There's just so much basically on their plates. You know, they're trying to pay student loans. They're trying to raise children, pay more, you know, all these things that are almost unmanageable. And we're talking really well-educated people and for the ones that are property owners, they have two professional adults and they're scraping by. Uh, it, it, it's very, and not because they're uh, spending money like fools, not no. all very responsible, very responsible. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. I mean, I talk to people now and, and people, uh, you 
know, they don't have any spare money. Like all their money is going to food and groceries and bills and rent prices. And by the way, I was reading something interesting earlier today, or actually it was a video um, talking about the rental crisis, you know, the lack of availability. And apparently there's something like six or 7 million residences in the U S that are, basically set up for things like airbnb yeah yeah which is a, that's a lot of homes that's a lot of residences so yeah so those aren't available for people who need homes and uh, but i will say this uh the seeming um complete incapability i can't think of the word of governments to handle the homeless problem and i use the word homeless because people without houses are homeless you know it seems pretty basic to me i don't yeah. judge i've been yeah. very close to it myself you know um there is just a, a sense of a complete inability to do anything about it which i am not buying i i don't think there's a will there's just no desire to well, do anything about it the thing about housing is that it takes years to to you know ramp up you, you know, if you want to go build a hundred thousand or a million homes or whatever, that's not something that you can do in a few weeks. <laughs> so, but I'm baffled because we have the, this is occurring in Canada. It's occurring in Europe. It's in the UK. It's like everywhere. I'm like, how is it possible that suddenly, you know, out of the blue, we have like this massive shortage of places to live? Like what happened? What changed? Um, is it because we have foreign money coming in and buying investment properties and you know uh in canada or the united states uh, europe and elsewhere like what was and, and like you how is it that nobody saw this coming and didn't do anything about it because it's it's reaching really uh, crisis levels now yeah i don't think there's a simple explanation i think it's a very complicated explanation but one of the factors that really angers me is the raw greed on the part of the real estate uh, business. Yeah. Uh, they encourage people to ask for more, make a profit, ask for yeah. more, charge more. And there's a little house for sale next door to us. So we watched them build and they practically built it with chewing gum, you know, like they just mm -hmm. threw it up. And for years I, I did her house cleaning. It was a little old lady and I, I cleaned her house for uh, once a week. So I'm, I know the quality of money that was spent on that house. And they're asking close to a half a million dollars for it. It's for sale right now. Yeah. And, and we're looking at each other here every day and saying, well, it's not bought yet, but what planet do they think they're living on? Yeah, but I mean, you know, housing market doesn't change that like radically, usually like overnight. I mean, these trends take years usually to play out, right? That's what I'd understand. Like, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people move from the cities to the country, but there's like, there's no vacancy. Any, In fact, I saw a chart and the highest, uh, one of the worst places for lack of availability is like New York. It's up there above LA. <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, how is, you know, how is that possible? Like, where did all these people come from? Or how come there's such a shortage of homes? I, I Like I said, I, I, I know I'm rambling on about it, but I, it just... It right. doesn't no, make no, sense no. to me. No, I agree. It doesn't and make sense. And, and it's it's a shortage of homes in combination with unaffordable rents because yeah. the ones that are available are unaffordable. In combination with inadequate income, in combination with 
people underemployed and uh and then and then it goes into a whole bunch of of social issues but like i said it's complicated but one of the things that bothers me is the greed that is so obvious yeah no you're right about that i mean i was at the grocery store this is this is going to sound crazy probably to most of the people who listen to this because you're in america but um in canadian dollars a five pound bag of apples is like ten dollars holy and i i'm a and i'm in a province are these the golden apples of the sun <laughs> these are like you know they the prices range from like seven eight bucks a bag to 12. and this is a province with apple orchards all over the place yeah like i mean the grocery stores it's a they should be prosecuted for well i this is all for entertainment purposes only right <laughs> Well, but but you know for for price for the per gouging i mean it's yeah. it is insane like there's no justification why a jar of pickles is twice as much as it was like two years ago well like, yes there is john greed because they can right what that's but that but that but, but well let me just tie one more thought on that but that's also because in canada now we have all of the grocery stores are owned by like two or three chains i know monopolies yeah Right, so they can do that yeah. and get away with it. Yeah. And, they're, and the, these, what's happening, to, to your point about greed, though, is that this is literally destroying people's lives. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're reduced now to one grocery store and Walmart. And there, there are no other options, and we're geographically isolated. But when you apply for a job at Walmart, one of the first things they do is give you the application form for uh, welfare and food stamps. Wow. So they're in cahoots, you know. They these big yeah. corporations are more than happy to underpay people because they can push off that uh, difference in income to the government. And uh, I lost track well, of what I was well, going to I say. I can add another layer to this, right? So after the housing crisis in 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008, part of the government strategy, they, they reduced interest rates to pretty much zero, right? That was to stimulate the economy to get things moving again. And interest rates, like this was a historic lows. In fact, uh, there was times when they even had negative interest rates in some European countries, which meant that you had to pay the banks money to keep your money in the bank. <laughs> so uh, what this did though, is that it made credit really cheap. So a lot of people then put money into real estate because you know you could go out and get a mortgage at, with at extremely low, record low interest rates. The other thing that happened that, that that caused was that large corporations with huge, deep, very deep pockets could, um, invest massive amounts of money that they could borrow for almost nothing and they just went on a buying spree basically yeah and they bought up everything yeah so now we have what 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 i'm getting at is that this has contributed to this consolidation of power and money into the hands of a few just like yeah. in 1929 or 28 and it's but the federal government, like the Federal Reserve and the economists, uh, they knew what the risks of doing this were. Now they're trying to back out of it because they're raising interest rates again because they were afraid of hyperinflation. <laughs> right. And so the question is, and, and, and let's face it, 
they're raising interest rates to slow down the economy. What that translates to is fewer jobs and higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is totally like it's it's that's why they're doing it. They're raising interest rates to cool down the economy. But what cooling down the economy means is is uh, less economic growth. And that means less spending, higher expenses, because, you know, they know that when they raise interest rates, prices of everything will go up to take that into account. And so but they're caught between not doing anything and having something like hyperinflation or raising interest rates and cooling down the economy. The problem is that the cost of things have gone through the roof. And when you cool down the economy, that means that there's you're going to have, um, like I said, people, the expenses go up. Uh, your your salary probably doesn't increase at the same speed as the inflation, you know, and so forth. So it gets harder for ordinary people to to navigate this. But the government is like t- between a rock and a hard place. So and anyway, my, so are you telling me that there's an ulterior motive, though? You, you're talking about remove from party loyalty or affiliation people who are only dedicated to their own profit are manipulating the mood of society. No, this to... is the Federal Reserve. This is part of the government, but it's supposed to be at arm, arm's but length. Yeah, but why would they do that? Why would they? Uh, because they don't want they don't want us to they don't want to end up with like what happened in Germany in the 1920s when you took a whole wheelbarrow full of cash to buy a loaf of bread. Well, if they mess if they mess with things that people uh, see in a material way, you know, the cost of stuff on a day to day basis, or the availability of jobs, or what the income yeah, yeah. of a job is, if they mess with that stuff right now, what the risk is is they're going to end up with an author a more authoritarian uh, government. They're going to be out of the government. Yeah. And uh, so, are they surely? So, okay. So, so this is happening. Like you can go right now and read about Argentina, where yes. the currency is losing so much value that it's like literally by out uh, by the hour, it cha- the price of goods will change. <laughs> well, by the hour. So um, that's what they're trying to avoid. But yes, you know the problem is is that because ordinary people don't have masses amounts of wealth or assets that we're the ones who are going to take the bite the brunt of this even though the root causes of it were the housing trouble bubble crash of 2000 2007 2008 it goes so so are are pulling the strings are completely insulated from the repercussions of what they're doing well i'm sure some of them have conscience and you know they know what they're doing is but they don't even say i was sure but they don't have a choice. They've backed themselves into a corner, in other words. And uh, wow. so who knows how far, like, they keep, what they do is they keep raising inflation and then they look at the economy to see how's the economy doing. Is it slowing down? Are things slowing down? Is inflation going down? Stuff like that. They're they're trying to do this delicate balancing act. Um, but, you know, yeah, you're right. The cost of things are insane and people are pissed off. And that's the other side of this is the psychology of it, you know. So it's social socially well, how does this play out yeah, um, that's because cool. like like here's another thing there are a lot of i don't think it's as common in the united states but in canada and the united kingdom and other countries people have like floating rate mortgages so that after a certain number of years they have to renew their mortgage yeah it's called adjustable rate yeah 
And and it'll be a it'll, the new mortgage will take into account the current interest rate. Well, the interest rate when they started might have been like I don't know four percent or whatever, and now it's going to be like eight or you know now. Yeah. But that if you have four hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, that's that you know it's a huge amount of money. So there's there's a lot of concerns like in the UK that in the next few months there's going to be a whole bunch of people who a lot of people are going to lose their homes simply because their mortgages get renewed at a higher interest rate which they can't afford they can already hardly afford to eat what are they going to do if their mortgage payment you know goes up by 40 percent or where are they going to live when they're well that's the other thing right you know yeah we have a lot of people in that situation in canada too so it kind of depends on when you took out your mortgage and how long ago when is it going to renew now or or even you know so because the inflation rate that or the interest rate that you know consumers pay is is usually quite a bit higher than what banks or huge corporations would pay because they get preferential treatment because of their size but my point is is that it it uh it, it, this is occurring at a time of of rapidly and and i i don't believe for a second that the most of the i think it's greedflation is what it is yeah. a lot of oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. I wanted to ask you. I, I remembered what I had forgotten. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any conversations that I've had with Dr. Harriet Fraud. No, you know, you've got a whole bunch of episodes that I've been meaning to, to watch because they look really interesting. But no you know, apologies. I, I uh, cannot keep up. I used to watch a ton of YouTube people, mm, you know, and mm. I, I find myself scrambling to catch up with missed episodes. But I, you know, anyway, Dr. Harry Frost. Well, can I finish apologizing? Because I, I just want to, I want to explain because honestly, I've seen your feed and I'm like, oh, I should watch that. I should listen to that. But there's been so many things going on, like with the Supreme Court decisions and everything. And and on the environment, there's like so much happening that's just huge. And I'm like, I spend hours a day reading. Researching. And just like you said, I can, I can, it's completely overwhelming. It's just well, unbelievable. I do, I do a book. I said, I always set impossible tasks for myself and I try to cover a book once a week. Ordinarily, that'd be no big deal. But when you take notes on something, it slows you down dramatically. I have to um, sort of set aside a certain amount, uh, set myself uh, an amount of pages that I'm going to cover per day in order to accomplish it by the end of the week. And it's kind of like getting your steps in and exercise, you know, mm -hmm. because if I don't commit to that, then I approach the end of the week and I don't have everything prepared. So that takes a big chunk of time and i'm not complaining because i really enjoy doing it one of the benefits of taking notes is it helps to solidify it up here somewhat right. dr harriet fraud i heard her interviewed on a podcast uh sort of a progressive news analysis type podcast she comes on regularly they they give her 10 or 15 minutes and they call it thank god for dr fraud is that her <laughs> podcast name f-r-a-a-d her real name is F-R-A-D. That's the name of the podcast? No, the name of the podcast is David Feldman. Oh. Okay. He's a comedian in New York City. He's an, I would say older man, but he's probably younger than I am. Um, and, and he's astute. He's informed. He has compassion. And he's really, really, really funny. I like his sense of, he's got a very dry sense of humor. But she comes on and talks about 
capitalism. She's a psychologist. She's a clinical psychologist wow. in Manhattan. Okay. But here's what's so remarkable about her. I have this impulsive nature. I invite people to come and talk because I like them, what I hear. And then five minutes before we do our scheduled recording, I realize, oh, I have to introduce them. And right. I quickly Google them. And then I'm horrified at how esteemed or eminent they are. And I feel like, oh, my God, I, had I known, I would never have uh, assumed, you know. So Dr. Fraud is uh, considered one of the founding mothers of the women's movement in the 60s. Cool. She, her sister, and her cousin, the three of them, uh, they invented the term Ms. that was taken, you know. Oh. Um, yeah, and her uncle wow. was Lenny Bruce's lawyer, hmm. Lillian, Lillian Hellman's lawyer, and apparently she's married to uh, a man, I believe he's retired, but he's considered one of the, the world's eminent economists, which is hilarious, because wow. she comes from an old socialist Jewish family in New York, and, and yet she marries an ec economist, which I guess is not that contradictory, you know, but, mm. but he was a professor, and he's very well respected. She is avidly socialist, and it's really fun to talk to her, because she'll say things out of a sense of compassion that she can back up with theory and knowledge but she says things like all food should be free wow. which i agree with i 100 agree yeah. Yeah. or or uh all housing should be free people should have a, a, a an income it depend what's it called a monthly income from the government what's that called Gary universal Lee? basic income yes 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 yeah yeah and and well, she's just a remarkable person sorry, sorry. Well, I was I was going to say I was going to say you see that my mind goes in that direction too, and I've actually been think I've I've been meaning to do an episode about greed, because the only people that would lose in that scenario are the people who've accumulated or amassed wealth or power or privilege. The rest of us would benefit. So of course I can understand why they don't want it. What I don't understand is why ordinary people you know they've like for example they've tried to make socialism into a dirty word and oh, in fact I think, yeah and i think you're not even allowed to go to florida anymore something like that if you're a socialist huh, who are you accusing of being a socialist did you see what was that rick scott said that last week literally oh, yeah. yeah somebody one of the one of the one of the many in florida yeah and i'm just say. like oh my god you don't even know what a socialist is shut up but but um this is the point though is is that with the economic system is you know it is fundamentally designed so that there are people with a certain kind of personality traits or characteristics sociopaths psychopaths who rise to the top and then stay there yeah that's doesn't it isn't that what it looks like well that's what that book i'm going to do is all about it's right. it's about the psychopathic grab for power and the complete lack of compassion for anybody else it's completely self-serving yeah and that but that's the paradigm that everybody just we live within but we never question it that tetrad that scott becker was talking about yeah i'm going to be covering that in, okay. in this this book that i'm going to be doing uh that plays heavily into it that narcissism and machiavellianism yeah. and psychopathy together uh 
definitely makes uh, a person who is callous and can easily become violent, not always, but manipulative yeah, yeah. and uh, very, very obsessed with their own um, welfare, advancement, yeah. power. I mean, that's what criminals, like when I look at the current state of affairs, I don't see much difference, say, between criminals and for entertainment purposes, only Republicans. <laughs> There's the, the, the difference is the difference between white collar and blue collar crime. The difference is white collar crime is rarely pursued by the right. law. Uh, other than that, but I mean, in terms of their characteristics, uh, morally and ethically, no, that, that, there is no difference. Yeah, I mean, I think we're actually going to find out soon that a whole bunch of them are going to end up being incarcerated finally. But um, <laughs> but that's my point. Like these people who go out and lie and, and deceive and manipulate. And and are only motivated for their own self interest. I mean, what's the difference between them and a and a crime boss? None. And right. in the book, in the book that's coming up, I don't want to give it all away. He talks <laughs> at length about uh, the similarity in structure between a mafia type organization and oh. these leaders. And yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Oh, so, sounds really interesting. Well, let me make one other comment on that before we switch topics. Um, which is that the other side of that coin, though, is that why the hell, how, and I talked with Scott a bit about this, but why is it that some people get, or some people, I mean, we're talking half the population, why do they, how do they not see this? What is going on there? Is that the authoritarian thing again? Is where we yeah, back to that? I think about this a lot. I think many, many people uh, are uh, full of fear. And the fear can come from a variety of reasons. And, mm. you know, here I feel like uh, Confucius or somebody here giving advice. I don't yeah, know. Please do. Oh, we're, we're all anxiously awaiting the answer. I'm sure. <laughs> Stop the presses if any of them were left. Um I think it's fear, and I think he talked a little bit about it yesterday, uh, you know, that fight, flight. Fawning. Fawning. That, that's Whoa, that that's book, so the book I covered, Political Ponerology, is an Eastern European psychology student's uh, labor of love during World War II, and they carried it on. It didn't get published until there was only one of them left. Some of them were executed. Two... Uh, manuscripts were completely destroyed to escape the authorities, but eventually they came out with this little book, and it's so dense, it's a lot like talking to Dr. Scott Becker. I had to look up every other word, but uh, he basically, they basically say that people will glom onto power, ride coattails of power out of fear, Right. out of self-advantage because they're just inept psychopaths themselves or right. that fawning uh, proximity to power is a protection. Right. It's why white suburban women voted for Donald Trump. Oh, it's just don't get me started because I'll just have a heart attack and die. Um, like there's just like to me, it's all just so irrational, but that's what like into you as well. Well, clearly, but then, you know, like, I can't even put myself in the shoes of someone like that. Like I can barely stand listening to Trump speak. I know it's. <laughs> I can't even look at him. It's just I go, ah, oh, God, you're so vile. He's like he's despicable. Like you know the Gollum. Yeah, but other people adore him like he's the second coming of Christ. 
Well, you hit the nail on the head right there because this book talks quite a bit about that, okay. about hero worship and how it's... Uh, I know, but, but but that's I get that. But why? What's why? How come it, we're so different? Oh, you mean <laughs> like people, people like us and people like them? Like what? What? How did? Yeah. How can we coexist at the same time on this dimension in this well, planet? Like you know, it's, it's so bizarre. You know, Denise and I are doing the podcast. I should put a plug in for that. Denise okay. and, and this is it's relevant. But Denise you're doing criminals, are you? Pardon me. You're doing criminals. Yeah, we did a did famous Canadians this week. Oh, good, great, yeah. you know, <laughs> thank you, Paul, Paul Bernardo. Oh, don't even want to hear the yeah. name. <laughs> so anyway, uh, what motivated us? This is one of the reasons. This question you just asked, we asked ourselves this because we both like. Well, we both are intellectually uh, interested. I don't want to say like in psychopathology, and we talk about it a lot. And we keep saying, how can they do that? How do people, just like right. you did. Yeah. So what we decided to do, just sort of for fun, was to look into their, maybe their karmic thing. So she did their astrological charts, okay. and I read tarot cards. And she said, you know, this would make a really interesting podcast. So what we do is we start out describing without too much bloody detail, mm -hmm. uh, only when it's relevant to the psychopathology, we talk about the criminal and the crimes briefly. Okay. It's not yeah. really a true crime, you know, thing. Right. Right. But what we do pursue then is... She looks at their charts, and, and I look at the cards, and we discuss what karmic thing is at play. And I think this is a microcosm. This little podcast is a microcosm because what drives criminality and that kind of behavior is as cosmic as what's driving global politics. Well, can, can you give us an example? Like, what would cause... Uh, uh, karmically, I'm just kind of curious, like, karmically, how would that show up? Okay, so in, in her astrological charts, and I know zero about yeah. astrology except Linda, Linda Goodman's love signs, um, she talks about nodes. Yep. And we've done, I don't know, we've done more than I, I was surprised. We've probably done about 10 or 12 now. Okay. And almost 100%, the ones that I'm sure, not that I'm a professional, but yeah. the ones that are surely psychopathic, and they all, not all are, but the ones that are, have a particular nodal signature. Let's put it that way because okay. I don't know how to explain yeah. it. Yeah. And she says she can almost use it now as a predictor. Right. When she looks at people's charts. I'll have to watch one of those and figure out which one. Yeah, it's really interesting. And here, the part that I love is that we do not uh, confer beforehand. Um, we decide who we're going to do. And usually I just tell her who we're going to do because I have ones I'm interested in and she's happy with that. And I do the research yeah. and I give an outline and then she just plugs in the astrology into her, you know, program mm -hmm. and she gets their chart and talks about it. She often listens to me with one ear while we record. I describe mm -hmm. the background of the person Mm -hmm. She listens and looks at their chart at the particular age that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. She doesn't say anything. She just does, you know, does that. And then mm -hmm. when she interprets the chart, she's able to say, you mentioned her father did this. Well, mm -hmm. at that time in her chart, we see this. It's mm -hmm. really interesting. 
And yeah. what I do, I do the tarot cards, but like I said, we don't confer, and it is uncanny how similar our results when, are. When you're doing the tarot reading, like, do you have a, what's the question in your mind? Like, why is this person oh, a So psychopath? what I do, yeah, that's a good question. What I do is when I research the person's background, which I do on my own off air, yeah. and I make extensive notes, and I'm thinking about them the whole time. And at that moment, I read their cards. And my oh. question is just, we're looking at the karmic influences in this person's life. What was right. the motivation? Yeah. So, so give me, what's an example of what the cards say? Like, a, what's a good example of how the cards would just describe what, like, because what I don't know is, that, like, are these people evil or are they just errant? You know, did they go astray or were they born evil or what? what is going on there? Well, I can generalize. Um, a large number of them are born with the uh, propensity for psychopathy. Yeah. And if that happens to you, you're already born neurologically at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Don't have to buy into it. You can be a high-functioning, right. nonviolent psychopath. I mean, it's entirely possible. Yes. Uh, very few of them are actually ever violent. That's True. something yeah. that, you know. So... There's that feature for many, many of them. And it's like the genetic seed is planted, mm -hmm. but the environment has to be perfect to, to nurture that. Mm -hmm. And so you see a lot of them have early childhood trauma. Yeah. And, and, and dramatic trauma, not just, oh, my mom sent me to the corner or yeah, my dad yelled at me. No, we're talking uh, sexual abuse right. and beatings and a right. lot of uh, psychological and emotional abuse by parents who obviously have their own issues. It's right. often really generational, really yeah. generational. Yeah. And then, so you have the, the genetic predisposition, the mm -hmm. genealogical continuation of whatever's going on in dynamics of mm -hmm. people you've mm -hmm. got the neurological thing going on and then you have whatever traumas happen in their lives that just mm -hmm. continue it mm -hmm. and and you, you come out the other end with people who have all kinds of strange disturbed behaviors and worldviews they're acting out but there's more than that and that's the part that drove us to do this there's not always an adequate explanation because ted bundy was one of five children mm -hmm. he didn't come from five psychopathic killers, mm -hmm. you know uh, uh, four of his siblings are apparently not serial killers so well, so how, how does that happen that's the question we wanted to answer and it seems like it's in their chart it's in their cards it's often yeah. Uh, something karmic, something past life. Okay, so um, it's my understanding that, uh, you know, fairly confident to, about this, that we choose our incarnation very carefully before we arrive yeah. here. We already know, you know, the circumstances, the people, the situations, you know, that we're going to be born into, the body and all that stuff. So if that's true, then a soul decided to incarnate into that body for a particular reason. Now, it's possible that it's karmic and somebody says, oh, I was a real asshole to a lot of people in past lives, so I'm going to have this difficult situation to balance out that karma. But then you fail in the sense that you become, you create more negative karma when you were supposed to just be, grin and bear it, so to speak. Yeah. That's possible. 
right? Yeah. That you knew that you were coming into an incarnation that was going to be dodgy because you could go, if they push you too hard, you could go the other way. And, yeah. you know, uh, that's a possible explanation. Mm -hmm. But uh, my general point was just that it's intentional. Like these, yeah. these bodies, no, no, these minds. You're saying which, which yeah. is uh, often a challenge for people. Yeah. I told you earlier that I'm kind of late to the party and I've done a lot of reading about this and learning about it in recent years and that took me a while to comprehend why would you volunteer to mm. be a monster or why would you volunteer to be a victim right. and do you volunteer and from what I've read uh, past life regressions and near-death experiences etc cetera, etc cetera. it appears to be that that's true people do work with networks of souls with groups mm -hmm. of souls mm -hmm. and they work out how they're going the group dynamic yeah. so and it's not as simple as i was the mother last time so this time i'll be the child it's not simple like that it's very sophisticated more like i need to work as a soul on understanding patience. Right. So yep. uh, you are going to provide in the next life a situation where I'm challenged in that right. area. And then free will comes into play. Right. It never interferes with free will. You have the option to be patient, to work on your patience, to work with that other person, uh, to improve that feature of your spiritual development or not. So you mm -hmm. can work off you can rebalance your karma or you can tilt it worse than it already was. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's my point, though, is that they must have known prior to incarnation <laughs> that there was a risk, even if it was 10% or whatever, <laughs> that something terrible like that could happen. Now, what they've done, if, if, if our understanding of karma is accurate, they have just made their situation magnitudes worse, especially yeah. if you've take the lives of a whole bunch of innocent yeah. people you know like you're you just drop down like four or five levels um and yeah. now they have to still and, and they still have to resolve the initial issue or lessons that they came here to learn so they're just kind of so like they're the digging themselves thing. deeper and deeper into a hole or here's something else you can think about this kind of blows your mind to think about it they agreed, they made the contract, spiritual contract, to do that terrible thing in this lifetime, which in that choice in and of itself is advantaging their karmic situation. And yes, the, the bad actions drag it down, but volunteers to do, I guess it would be like volunteering to go to a war-torn area as a humanitarian aid worker, and you know you're gonna die almost a hundred percent in that horrible environment, but you do it anywhere anyway for the greater good because yeah. you feel it's kind of like that. No, I, I understand that, but then you would have to assume that what appear to be all these random acts when we're talking about these types of people, uh, the famous ones anyway, that that was all premeditated, you know, prior to incarnation to some degree because they seem to be really random and sporadic and sometimes they're very gruesome and horrible like way more than you like what is possible lesson does the victim learn that experience or the victim's families or whatever right so well that's the like thing. so the, the, the um personal dynamics are not just between two people there's no. a whole yeah yeah you could argue that the former guy was deliberately engineered to be the way he is just to teach america a lesson 
No kidding. No, I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying that's true, but it's possible. No, no, I've thought about that. In fact, Melissa of Free Range Psychic, she does yeah. uh, past life readings, and she's, she did his reading, and it's really interesting. This is somebody who is uh, continuously failing in the karmic business. Oh, really? <laughs> not just the real world? Sad. But 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 here here's the thing, and I say this all the time. I no one wants to hear me say this anymore. I feel sorry for him. This man was a two year old who was abandoned. We to just the, lost five hundred viewers here. I I'm sorry, but he was abandoned <laughs> to a psychopathic father and an absent mother, hundred percent absent. She almost died in childbirth. The father neglected her. Uh, recovery afterwards and she almost died and was completely an invalid and then you know and and his father was a psychopath he had at two years old what happens when you're two years old you develop uh attachment and empathy and so like i understand that right i mean i've known a lot of people who grew up like i've done readings for some people who've done like had like i i just like how did you survive like i wouldn't i'm not sure i could survive that but but like I, my problem really isn't with Trump per se, because like if he wasn't the president, I wouldn't give it or hadn't been, I wouldn't give a crap about him. I would just be like, I wouldn't even read articles about him. The only reason I'm concerned about Trump is because of his implications for the country and the world. It's much more like, why would other people support this guy? Well, what you're that's saying the problem. Is, he's not the cause; he's the symptom. Yeah, absolutely. Like what? Like the millions of people voted for the like what the hell? Tens of millions. Look, I, I did research yesterday. I was going to talk about this and read cards on it today, and I still might later on. Uh, I don't want to totally spoil it. Use up all my good evidence here beforehand. But but look what's going on in France right now. Yeah. Look what in Europe you see a, a rise in hatred for immigrants and a yeah. rise in a desire for strongman leaders in Hungary, Sweden, France, Italy, yeah. Germany. I, it's really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that this is the not so slow roll to a global sort of fascist thing. Uh, this is coming. Mm. I wrote down here, John, and I was reluctant to say it out loud after you had such an erudite, eloquent guest yesterday, I, I was going to say, this is like a gigantic karmic zit. It's coming to a head. Yeah, well, I don't, you know, um, I, I think that probably a lot of the roots of this can be traced back to economics and finances. Um, you know, because... In the immediate. In the immediate, yes, but I take it farther. Well, yeah, but what I mean is, like, if, like, it probably goes back to the 2007-2008 financial crisis where a lot of people got screwed over, ordinary people, yeah. and they're pissed. <laughs> I understand that. People are pissed. Plus, you know, we've gone through all this. We went through the thing that happened where a lot of people stayed home, and, um, you know, people just got more and more angry, and government has been dysfunctional like embarrassingly dysfunctional and there's just all this anger and resentment um but i think it's rooted in economics like okay like when when i was a kid and i think i've said on this on here before but when i was a kid i have three siblings my so there was four kids wife 
husband. Husband went to work at nine o'clock in the morning, came home at five o'clock every day, like clockwork, didn't work on the weekends, didn't work at night. And we had a very high standard of living. All the children, the wife, everybody. One income. And he was not like we weren't upper class. You know, we were reasonably well off, but not like uh, rich. Um, and it's not like that at all anymore. I have a, just to contrast it, I have a daughter who's a Montessori teacher. And she has a college degree. And then she went back and it cost a fortune to get mm -hmm. Montessori training. And then she had to sort of apprentice, you know, which she paid nothing, paid very little. So eventually she became a Montessori teacher and uh, she lives in a, a very small apartment. It's, it's kind of a one bedroom, but you'd almost call it a studio apartment. She can't afford a car. Mm -hmm. she's, she's not um, a big spender. She doesn't do anything dramatic. She's not, you know, buying drugs or partying all day or traveling around or buying things, you know, mm -hmm. no. And she struggles constantly and talks about how sad she is that she's never probably going to be in a position to buy a house, which I tell her, okay, we've got to work on that attitude. But, but uh, the point is that she did everything right. Yeah. But that's my point. You see, that our standard of living has been diminishing for for uh, decades, just gradually. I mean, if you look at the charts adjusted for inflation, like you know, it, the rich have been getting richer and we've been getting poorer. And what I'm saying is that you can't just do that for years and years and years and then do things like bail out all these banks who just were criminally corrupt yeah. for entertainment purposes only uh, and expect people to not start getting pissed off and i think that's what's happening and so people are looking for people to blame whether it's immigrants or other races or women or whatever but if people were just well off like they used to be i don't think we'd be having these problems and See, the other thing is that's the proximal cause what's going on 100%. yeah, yeah. But i take one step back and i look at it from Chickens are coming home to roost. And I did some research into the colonial years of France and Italy and Germany and all these other countries. And uh, the problems they're having today are, they would claim, immigrants coming from these post-colonial countries. Right, right. And I feel like it's, it's karma. Well, for for sure. I mean, you know, we we basically but not just just money, but bigger. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we committed uh, we committed genocide on this entire continent. Yeah. I mean, come on, like, and yeah. then there was the slavery and everything, like, like. But but I, at least in in recent times, I think a lot of this can be traced to the economic system. And the other thing about it is, is that the people in power making these decisions should have expected this outcome if they didn't in fact i think they did and they don't care and that's my point that's a, <laughs> that is a distinct possibility that they knew that we would this would result in a great deal of social instability and they didn't do anything about it or they actually wanted that outcome because right. then they could impose another form of governance which would be much more let's say authoritarian 
stay tuned. Stay tuned for this book that I'm. Gonna that, I mean, that 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 could seem like a conspiracy theory, but yet it's borne out no, by the evidence. It's it's not a theory because it's played out in history over and over and over. Yeah. Specific specific leaders, specific countries, specific wars, and historical and financial events are all related to that. Yeah, it's all about power well, and the consolidation of power. Power, control, yeah. money. Right, but whether what, what whether the current circumstances were deliberately engineered or not is this fine question, right? Well, of course they were. You know the Powell memo? Yes, I do. I did an okay, episode well, of it. They've been working on that whole, what was that guy's name now? I, I hate to say this name, Ronald Reagan, but the guy that he worked with for economics, uh, what was his name? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, yeah, not mine right now. Freed, Freed, something like that. Friedman? Friedman, is that? No, I don't know. It wasn't Milton Friedman, was it? Yeah, wasn't he the one that was trickled down? Was that uh, in Reagan's time? I'm sorry, I can't remember. But he began. He began then. And, yeah. and the whole yeah, that was that. Uh, they had this uh, belief in things like what they called the noble lie, which is where you can tell a lie and you can lie to people if your motivations are, you know, of a higher order. Who gets to define higher? Well, that's the thing, right? Like from their perspective, like I remember once this, it's stuck in my mind. It's like burned in my brain. I was watching this was back around the time of the housing bubble burst and i was watching a video because i was trying to understand um you know what the right wing perspective on what was happening was and they were interviewing somebody who was working sort of on some right wing politicians campaign and they asked him because uh they asked him why should um people who are rich have more influence over the political system than people who aren't and he just looked right back right into the camera and said why shouldn't they that's the psychopathy basically Not and i'm well, like i'm like what if, if we have to debate that there's something seriously wrong with you if you don't even if it's not transparently obvious to you why that's not good <laughs> that's really creepy but that's what they think there are so many people who are predisposed to seek out this kind of leadership because they believe it's divinely inspired. Right. It's delusional. The appropriate, pardon me? They're delusional, sorry. They're completely <laughs> delusional. <laughs> oh, God. We, we, I just did a, a, a two-part thing. I didn't do a book this week. I did a documentary, and we covered the Duggars. Oh, God. I, I haven't followed that because I, I know it would just infuriate me. I think you need to at least look at the last video, John. It's not about the TV show and the prairie dresses. It is, but only what it's a symptom of. It's about uh, theocratic control. They have come out in public and said they want world domination. That's why they have so many children. And uh, they're a patriarchal theocratic authoritarian structure that they want to impose it on everybody uh jim bob the father has been a state representative twice in arkansas closely connected to the huckabees uh rick perry or is it rick scott all those guys they're all the same anyway um sarah palin uh, it's this extreme right-wing and that goes with misogyny and racism and homophobia, you know, the usual uh, buffet of phobias and fears and hatreds. But one of the people who escaped 
almost literally emotionally and psychologically escaped. She said that the Handmaid's Tale was her life. God. It's, yeah, it's dramatic. But there are so many people who look for, you know, this image of John Wayne, the big white burly, right. you know, hero. Uh, they seek it out. They want it because I think that it's that fear. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally, I don't care what somebody else believes. I mean, assuming you don't harm somebody, well, like, they who cares? They want cares? to it on you, though. But that's the problem, isn't yeah. it, right? That they want yeah. to take those ridiculous beliefs and force everyone else to live under them. That's just like, no, we, like, we, we would actually, we, we, we'd have to, we'd have a civil war before that happens. Like, there's just no well, way, there's no way that can be allowed to happen, period. <laughs> Or, I mean, because once they get in place, it could go on for centuries, theoretically. Like, I mean, you can't let that happen. John, it's not like that hasn't happened before. Well, not in modern times in this part of the world. There's nothing unique about modern times. Mm, Maybe we well, have advanced technology, which makes it easier. Remember well, facial recognition? It happened in Hungary recently, and it's happening yeah. in Poland now. Is going is on the verge of going off the deep end. But those aren't really advanced countries, really. Pol I'm nothing against Poland or Hungary, but come on. Um, you know, Poland is a bit weird, but uh, China, China, China has always had some kind of dynasty, though. Yeah, they're used to that. It's sort of hard, hard wired into them. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah. I don't I agree with it, but you know, uh, yeah. the woman who's who's running Italy right now, her best friend is Mussolini's granddaughter. Right. Yeah, and Berlusconi was like the original populist, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, they must have found a, a silver bullet or a stake to drive through his heart, is all I can. <laughs> God, like it's just—I'd be so embarrassed. Like my God, it's but, pretty bad. But I'm, I've been looking at the, the upheaval in France, and if you didn't have uh, distinguishing names of cities. You would think they were talking about Atlanta or Milwaukee. It's mm. exactly the same dynamic. It's yeah. this violent, authoritarian, law and order yeah. thing of the police with this enormous disdain and contempt for ordinary people. Yeah. Just like, and was it Minneapolis? Out. It was the same thing, right? Minneapolis. Minneapolis was... Yeah. One of those M places. Uh, yeah. Distinguished by... a. Uh, Picking out minority groups, finding yeah. uh, a vulnerable group to victimize and demonize in the yeah. eyes of other well, people. Well, this is, I mean, clearly, you know, you can't uh, condone some of the actions, but it is the fault of the government and the state for not correcting. Like, they could have done something about this years ago. They've known about that for a very long time. Well, they did. Complete. They tried. Well, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm defending the government. But we did have voting rights. We did have civil rights. Inadequate. I'm talking about state. France. Oh, France. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, but you can't help but think what's happening here. We're undoing. We're unraveling all the work that's been yeah. accomplished. Yeah. Now they're talking, John. They're talking about... Going back to the time before the Supreme Court ruling on Griswold, yeah. which yeah. was contraception was illegal yeah. for right. married couples, right? Yeah. And 
Uh, they're talking about raising the voting age to 25. Yeah, I know. That's just, He's insane, that guy. He's just completely... He's not alone. He's, the inmates yeah. are running the asylum. What is it? No, force, no fault divorce is another thing that was on the because table. When, when no fault divorce finally came into play, uh, the, the female um, suicide rate plummeted. Right. Because women were so hopeless. They had no yeah. options. They were stuck in these abusive relationships. And the people who are defending uh, getting rid of no-fault divorce are the same white Christian nationalists who are advocating anti-trans stuff. Right. And, why, and, would it, why would women not be like out in the streets protesting this? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It's just like, it's like we're sleepwalking into a, a disaster. Well, I think I, I I don't like to make excuses, and I think a lot of young women do protest. You don't hear about it. There was a big woman's protest uh, a couple of weeks ago. I heard about it because I was listening to a progressive podcast. Mm -hmm. I tried to find information about it in the paper, in the news. I couldn't find any information about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, um, I think women are socialized. Now, I'm generalizing very broadly here, but there are a lot of things that come into play. Many women, not all, are socialized into being more passive. Mm. They have gender roles that take up so much of their time. If you work a full-time job and you have small children, when exactly are you supposed to be organizing and manning the barricades? Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, I mean, what? like, it's not... Uh... It doesn't take a lot of effort to sort of uh, connect the dots and see where all of this is going. <laughs> you would think that people would be like, I find it. Okay. I'm at a state right now. It's mostly because currently the environment that's the stuff that's happening is actually quite terrifying. I mean, the white house just floated the idea yesterday publicly about geoengineering. And that to me is like absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, like that to me is an alarm bell. I didn't was hoping that that would never happen in my lifetime. It's just it, the fact that it's an act of desperation, and it's yeah. and it signals how dire the situation is. I think but, you're right. But so I'm stressed out about that. But all this other political stuff too, like this social order, where we're going, and this you know everything that's happening in Europe, like we've been talking about in the United States, and everything. And I'm just kind of like, where does this end? Like it's like it's a fork in the road isn't it well i yeah i think it has it has uh reached a point of paradigm shift we have reached the point of no return i think i hate to say that but you were asking why do people not act more and protest more mm. this is it's Sisyphean, think about it. Uh, what do you choose to struggle for? Women's rights, abortion rights, uh, bodily autonomy, protection of, of uh, vulnerable communities. Democracy. Or the environment or voting rights. Well, and people, you know. <laughs> we, we can argue that the last midterms was a direct result of, um, you know, the attack on abortion rights. So yeah. by the Supreme no, Court. And they just came out with a whole slew of body blows, like in the last week or two. Yeah, so terrible. hopefully that re means that hopefully people still remember that at the next election yeah. oh, and that crossed. they get they get their asses kicked. Because if they don't like here's what I think, to be honest with you, if the Republicans win the next election, it's game over for America. We know it. Yeah, you know, I'm glad it's that it's that, it's that dire. It's that dire. 
agree. And and you know, I mean, don't you think like don't don't you close. think like can you imagine someone like Ron DeSantis being the president? It'd be terrifying. Yes, I, can I can imagine it. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. so when we're talking about people getting out and voting, uh, for and that's just to start. But like, it is mission critical. It's but John, people are are um are reaching a point where what I hear a lot is we did vote. Hillary won. Right, the but we, vote. they need more because they have to overcome all of the yeah. Uh, inequities in the system that are slanted towards the Republican, basically. And you know, they they have to they have to win by ten or fifteen percent or something. Yeah, not to defend a complete uh, lack of, of engagement with what's going on, but I understand that overpowered sense of just defeat. You everywhere you look. You look out your window and there are people living in tents in the parking lot know. down it's, the street. It's you know, it, it's really, really hard. Yeah. And I I have empathy for people because what what do you do? You you you're you have this a common expression these days is this fire hose of issues and yeah. problems and yeah. terrible skullduggery, which I is my substitute for another word that starts with F. Um I did a couple videos talking, like uh, we mentioned this before, but I was talking about, you know, authoritarianism and mass delusion and everything. And I'm kind of suggesting that uh, or predicting that it's 26, around 25, 26 is when things sort of start to begin to normalize a bit more. Um, we've also right now got Pluto recently retrograded in May back into Capricorn through January 20th of next year. So we're back dealing with a lot of this crazy insanity that we were dealing with before. Yeah, cycles through. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of, like, there's a whole ton of planets retrograde right now. So there's this period of the rest of this year and into early, very early next year. It's going to be challenging because we have to kind of go back and, and complete unfinished business from that yes. whole cycle. And this is one of the reasons it particularly seems to be so alarming right now. It's because, like, all of these issues are coming up and it's just purging kind of well john each yeah. of our lives is unfinished business well yes That's but i mean i would like us to get to because there's so many major issues confronting us simultaneously that's what's particularly overwhelming right now and i'm saying that that's very stressful like i can't not read the news because i'm just concerned about all these things that, I know. you know like I know. well you guys talked yesterday about a point that I thought was so fabulous. I wanted to highlight it again. You talked about being in denial and not being able, refusing to look at it. Mm. And it's not going to go away if you don't look at it. And the reason this really uh, resonated for me is I've been doing a lot of, of ancient, you know, philosophical reading. And I finally got an answer. I think this is an answer. Okay. People comment to me constantly. Oh, you know, I love listening to your videos, but I can't go to all those dark places. It's too mm. hard for me to look at it. Mm -hmm. And my point has always been, I understand. I totally understand. It's my personality. I can't look away. That's just my personality. Right. You're all born yeah. with what we're born with, right? Yeah. But I got an answer, I think, John. Tell me what you think. Uh, the people who say 
if we talk about it, if we highlight it, we give it energy and we'll mm -hmm. simply give it strength and manifest it. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that, I think, is that there's a difference between acknowledging, recognizing, and talking about. The important factor is intent and action. If you talk about it with the intent of wanting to change it and do good, you're not going to manifest more evil or bad. If you talk about it and acknowledge it in the hopes of raising awareness and enlightenment, you're not doing it with evil intent and you're not going to go out and take negative action. You're not going to manifest anything because you acknowledge it and recognize it. Where you manifest it is when you do something specific or you neglect to do something specific to make it better. Do you did and this came out in some old text you were reading? Just over the last years that I've been the few years oh, okay. I've been doing this, I hear this often. Uh, I agree with you. I see what you're saying. I just it's too hard for me to look at it and talk about it. And we need to focus on the positive. Yeah, Scott and I talked about this quite a bit. And he's a clinical psychologist, so he's much more qualified to talk about these kinds of things than I am. But what I personally believe is that the, that's exactly what the dark side wants us to do, is is to look away. Yeah, I agree. For, because sin, then they can just do whatever omission. they want. It's a sin of omission. Yeah, like it basically gives them free reign to go and do whatever the hell they want. That's they want us to tune out. Like they don't. The darks. The darkness does not want the light. And that's why there are so many issues that we're dealing with all at the same time. They want a sense of being overwhelmed and in despair. Despair mm. is a mortal sin. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to our, remember we were talking about economics and um, the. Well, that must have been somebody else. It wasn't well, well, we were talking about uh, the state of affairs for a lot yeah. of ordinary people. They're stressed out and everything. Well, that's perfect. You want to manipulate yeah. people. That's the perfect time to do it. They're vulnerable, right? They that's want right. you to be vulnerable, and that's how they take advantage of you. So it, it goes to my point about, like, if we shine light on this, like, every day in my spiritual practice, and by the way, that's another thing that people can do. Like, when I do my spiritual practice every day, I clear myself, my energies, I protect my energies, I set my intentions, you know, I, so I'm kind of like, I reset every day. So even if I get I'm pissed off all day because I'm reading stuff, you know, in the news or whatever, every day I reset and clear. And it's amazing. Like I can be completely drained. And then I do my spiritual practice and I'm just like full of energy. It's like I had two cups of coffee. It's incredible. Batteries, right? Yeah. It's incredible. So, I have so a question for you. This sorry, is a go personal, ahead. Yeah. personal request. So, uh, you know, neophyte here. Yeah. Um, we used to do the rosary. Things have improved a lot. <laughs> Right. So I'm I'm trying um, to develop a more sophisticated routine like what you have. Yeah. And I, you know I go on on YouTube and I listen to Buddhist meditations, Hindu mm. meditations, uh, guided meditations that are obviously more like a kind of a guided hypnotherapy to put you right. to sleep. You know. Yeah. And I was wondering if maybe you would consider doing like a detailed video about things concrete things people could do in that vein. Yeah, I did some stuff like really early on. The, the quality of the recording is terrible and stuff. But I did do some grounding and clearing rituals, but I didn't do the whole exercise. Um, and it's something that, because I've been doing it for so long, you know, I've kind of pieced things together over many, many years. 
too. Yeah. And I also know from having worked with other people a little bit is that some things work for some people and not others. Like I've done a lot of things with mantras, for example, mm -hmm. and mudras and things like that. But other people just want to do pure silence. You know, they don't want to do yeah. any, you know, but, you but that. yeah, but that's, but that's a personal preference and you can pick or choose whatever you want. Yeah. I think the most important thing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I that's a good point. Um, I, like I should your do that. Yeah, I do those every day. You know, one of the things I've been doing now for quite a while is I do the one where I say, um, you know, those people or beings in positions of power, authority, or privilege who have abused their power, authority, or privilege have their actions and crimes or abuses brought to light so that everyone shall see and know them and that they should be held accountable and, if necessary, prosecuted for their crimes. Hey, I think Jack Smith heard you. Well, I've been doing, and, and it's been interesting because I have been seeing a lot of stuff has been, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be, but a lot of stuff has been coming out where people were finding out things about people, you know, what we, we want to, like the dark money groups, like what's their real motivation? You know, who are they? What, what's their agenda? What are they, you know, are they trying to manipulate or deceive people? Those kinds of things. If that stuff starts coming to light, it could be a game changer. Well, Senator, Senator Whitehouse has dedicated his entire professional life to digging into that topic. Uh, his book, what's it called here? Uh, uh, the Scheme. Okay. Where I covered it a while back. He talks about dark money and who are they. Uh, I have two words for you, Leonard Leo. Well, he, but he is the, inter, he's the intermediary between I know. the I real, know. like who are the real people there? You know, it's the Walmarts or the Home Depot guy, like, and meanwhile, we're out shopping and buying stuff from these people and giving them money that they're feeding to these groups that are trying to undermine democracy. Yeah. And a lot of us are, are, are uh, being placed in unwillingly in a position where we have no choice. It's happening on the boundaries of society, the rural and semi-rural yeah. areas and moving inward. They're taking away our options to vote with our feet. We don't have anywhere else to shop. And yeah, I know. Oh, but that, look, I remember the first time I was in a Walmart and oh, wow. it was probably, cause I remember who I was with. So I must've been really young. I'm well, relatively young, you know, I was with these friends and I remember standing there looking around and going like, oh my God, this is going to completely destroy the whole community because it's going to be like a big vacuum cleaner. It's going to suck all the money and then take all the money down to America and all the small shops and towns and in town and stuff are going to go to business. I, yeah. I knew that immediately. I could just see it. Knew it you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. They siphon, they're like giant vacuums that just siphon the money and destroy. And then, and the, the other thing is that at the time I'm like, why are they doing, why are they letting them do this? They're, because I'm Canadian. So all this money, I'm like, all this money is just going to come from Canada and go to the United States and it's going to just destroy the local economy. But, and they're letting it's them do it. hear it from another person's, another country's perspective. Yeah. Um, because we don't necessarily, I think, think like that yet. We will be soon. But uh, we don't think of it because we're always the ones on the taking end, you know, right. as, a, as a nation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just this whole concept, though, that this was completely predictable. And and it goes way back. It's It predates the Internet. I mean, this is the people I was with. We must have been, frig, it must have been like, hmm, it must have been in the 80s or something. 
you want to see how things have changed. Here's a little, a little uh, bit of entertainment that you can do. It'll severely depress you. Because we live in the middle of nowhere, uh, my husband worked in a hospital, and he had Monday and Tuesday off, weekdays. So we lived, we moved here with no friends, no relatives. Uh, we were pretty much on our own with these small children. And on his day off, it's not always amenable outside. You can't always, you know, the weather. So they built a new mall about a couple of hours out of town. And we would go to the mall in the morning and walk around. And sometimes at the very beginning, because it was brand new, it's an indoor mall, mm. we were the only people in the whole mall, almost wow. literally, yeah. And today that mall is closing. It's completely wow. empty. He went to a dentist appointment uh, a couple of months ago and wandered around the mall just to kill time. Yeah. And he said it was really eerie. But if you want to really be depressed, go on YouTube and Google, no, type in urban explorers. And there are young guys usually who go to empty buildings and tour the empty buildings. And they, there's a whole subset of those are deserted malls. Wow. And it, it's like the collapse of a civilization. It's like visiting the Colosseum without the grandeur. It's really depressing. So where did all of those, is that because of Amazon and things like that? Yeah, online shopping. Yeah, well, and, Amazon and, is even and, worse than Walmart. Conglomeration of stores. All these businesses got, you know, bought out. What do you call the guys that, that the big corporation will buy a business and then they'll part out all yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a term for that. It'll come to yeah, me. Yeah, there's a term. Well, you and know they, what Amazon does now? They go to the sellers. They go to the sellers and they say, "Okay, well, you can you can get a special status on our platform, right? But you have to guarantee that you will not sell your goods anywhere else at a lower price." So what that means is that you you want to buy a product, you're going to go like, "Well, I can get it from Amazon and they have free shipping." Or I can buy it at the local store, but it's the same price, so I'll just get it from Amazon. It's incredible. And there goes like they're going to own everything. They, own the yeah, whole thing. I know that. I know. I know that that's what's happening because my options are becoming fewer and fewer. It's but we and this is the stupid thing about our society that we allow this to happen. And we talked about this earlier about the consolidation of power. You know, you got Amazon, you got, you know, Apple. Apple's like $3 trillion company now, the most valuable company in the world's history. Um, you've got, you know, there's just a few players and everyone else. We're like serfs. Well, no, we're not like serfs. We are. This is the modern feudalism. Yeah. But what I'm, the, the part that boggles my mind is, like I said, that you know, the people knew there's people smart enough to know that this was going to happen and they didn't do anything about it. Well, they, it was intentional. What do you mean do anything to stop it? No, they wanted it to happen. Mm. I don't know. It, I don't know that Jeff Bezos was singled out at all, or we're going to make him the king. You know, I don't know if it worked like that or not, or if it just was, or if that was random. I don't know. He started what? out, what? Uh, we started out with just selling books. He, he started out selling books on the internet. 
like that was it. incremental decisions to bring this to the position it is today. And yeah. at each time he made one of those business decisions, which I can't explain because I don't understand, but each time he made one of those decisions, he made a moral decision to do something to his financial advantage, his power advantage, to the detriment of others. Well, I mean, that's what business is, right? That's what capitalism is. It's dog eat dog. <laughs> That's why I'm not a business person, or that's my excuse. Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, like I personally can't do anything that I would think would be unethical or that wasn't heart-centered, yeah. let's say that. I just couldn't, yeah. even if it made a lot of money. And I have actually literally passed passed by quite a few opportunities that would have made me a lot of money just because I'm like, no, I'm not, I don't want, I'm not doing that. But other people would. I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm just saying that's that's the way I am. I'd rather be poor and do something meaningful that is important to me than wealthy and hate my work. Yeah, but you know, John, you've gotten to a place in your evolution that uh, the threat of material poverty doesn't have the impact and the weight and the fear tied into it that it does for a lot of people. Now, Perhaps. but you told me, you told me that you came from a very middle-class, secure background. Yeah. What about, I can relate to coming from something far less than that, and that dread you always have in the back of your mind. I you suppose, know, where's, yeah. Where's the next rent check coming from? Where yeah. Are we going to have food for the end of the month? Yeah. But don't get sick, because if you get sick, you're not going to the doctor. Yeah. Break a tooth, better you pull it than have anything done to it. Yeah. And people live in that with that hanging over their heads all the time and more people than not live with that these yeah days. i understand that and that's why i'm arguing and have argued uh well you mentioned it yourself I, I mean we should have things like universal basic income and stuff like that yeah like it just it just makes comments like you just the stress alone the, the, think of how much money would be saved by eliminating just the stress from people's lives all the health issues and everything that result from that the crime the uh, the, you know, uh, anger. I mean, come on. It's it just. Anyway, don't get me started. I'll, What's the name of the guy me. who wrote? I have it here. I'm sure. America, the farewell tour. Uh, uh, I didn't read that. Oh, it's really good. Uh, yeah, I think his book is downstairs. I had to thin my books out; they were falling over. Um, he wrote this book uh, about, he went all around the country and he highlighted different issues like the ones we're talking about. And uh, at some point in his book, and it's a few years old now, but not dramatically old, uh, he actually enumerated what it would look like if all the money in the world right. were parceled out on an equal basis. Mm. What that would look like on, a, on an individual basis, how much money you'd get in your hand, what your living circumstances would be like and, and mm -hmm. what you can anticipate every year as far as income. There's enough money in the world to give everybody a house and a car yeah. Yeah. and a guaranteed income of like 150, I'm making this up, but it was close, $150,000 a year. Every single man, woman, and child in the world. Right, right. And that, and that means that so if you've got a, you're a young couple and you got two young kids, that that's like, well, let's say it's 100, it's 400 grand. <laughs> it's a lot of money i've said that in my conversation with scott yesterday that there's that should be our premise that there's enough resources yeah you did talk about everybody that. on the planet it's a fact yeah now 
I, but if the Republicans wins, you won't even be able to say that. They'll just throw you in prison for well, saying I'll, it. Well, I'll give you this little tidbit from the Duggar documentary because I know you can't stand to watch it. Um, Jim Bob is the father. Now, he said this, and I want to be very clear for the purposes of YouTube. I do not believe this. Right. Uh, this is not my words. I'm quoting from a documentary. This is Jim Bob Duggar. He said, quote, uh, there's no such thing as overpopulation. You could fit the entire population of the planet into Jacksonville, Florida. Is he insane? Well, yes. I mean, I think that's, you can assume that pretty safe. Florida would probably sink if you put all oh, the people. end in the quote. <laughs> Well, how do well, you come up with this? There's just so much you... wrong with that that you don't even know where to start. It's ludicrous. You could put, it is ludicrous. Yeah. But there are people who believe that. That's why they have 19 children and counting. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And the Republicans children? want to raise the voting age. Maybe they should just do an intelligence test before oh, giving you the right oh, to vote. Nobody would get to vote. <laughs> We'd all be sitting home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just defies so much common sense. You're like, you don't even know where to begin to to well, do this statement like that. Alternative reality, and there are people who really follow closely the concept of the the old Earth, new Earth. You know, they're really into that shift that's going to happen. And yeah, how did we get um, to like we got to come up with different uh, uh, terminology? Well, I think number one, it's not a moment in time. And number two, it's uh, a change in the paradigm, but it's evolving. And I think we're seeing, we're living it. It's already happened. We're living it. Look at MAGA versus Black Lives Matter. Look, look at, at uh, the Democrats versus the Republicans. I mean, we're, we're seeing it manifest in a lot of different movements and attitudes. And Yeah, but what, what I mean is like the, the, the people on the far right are are using similar terminology to what we in the spiritual community are using. Oh, you mean like the rapture? Or a new earth, or new earth and things. And I'm kind of like, oh my God, no, don't ruin the language, please. Or we'll just have to come up with new terms. Well, there are a lot of people who are kind of new agey progressive who have gone full. I don't like to even talk about this out loud. It's the group that starts with the letter of the alphabet. Which letter? Well, it, it, the name of the group is One Letter of the Alphabet. Towards oh, the that the one. Yeah, don't say it. I, <laughs> well, I was searching. My brain was scanning the alphabet. And then I went, that one. the wrong end of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and, and it's full of people who, um, I have lost friends to this. People who agreed with you and me until a few years ago. I don't. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, did I? In one of my recent episodes, I mentioned this podcast Mariana and Conspiracy Land. Have you listened to that? BBC. No. What is it? Oh my God. It, it's going to freak you out. It freaked me out. Is it it's Mary, M A R I A N N A, in, in, in other words, Conspiracy Land. And it's by the BBC. But you got to listen from start from episode one and all um, oh, yeah. and go yeah. through because. It's, it goes into exactly this kind of stuff where people who are on the left, like these hippies and stuff, are now like, they've gone so far that they're sort of entertaining even like a fascistic and racist to the content. And yeah. it's just completely disturbing. Yeah. This is going to make a great uh, doctoral thesis for somebody in about 30 years. 
God, yes. If we're still around. Oh, well, I'm, that book you were talking about that you're going to be doing sounds really interesting. It's very, I'll tell you about it. I, I, I'm being ridiculously coy about the Oh, yeah, don't spoil just it. Just to get people to pay attention. So, so before we end, I just wanted to ask you about one thing that's sort of obsessing everybody at the moment, and I have my feeling about it, and I just wondered what your take was on the whole uh, Prigozhin-Putin oh. nuke, nuke threat. Well... <laughs> You don't have to. Well, you, that, the you thing is, to... when you're talking with about the Russians and that whole situation, it's like it's really highly unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like because they're not rational actors. No. Right. So, in other words, you, you like who the hell knows? Right. Well, uh, I, I personally, I personally think that Putin isn't going to be in the, at the helm for much longer. But then that raises the question of like, well, who the hell replaces him? He could much be much worse. Yeah. 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 Like. We so it's kind of like you better be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm a Putin fan by any means. I think he's one of the most despicable human beings that's ever existed. But you know, it's a fact. And Russia is a basket case. Well, he's one of them. But I'm here to tell you, he's not alone. I mean, there are an awful lot in, in the past who are identical to him. Oh yeah, I know it, it. Russia has a very strange history. Yeah, not just Russia. <laughs> and and there's a lot of brutality in it. Yeah. It's horrible. And Gergosian yeah. is, you know, no offense, entertainment purposes only. I'm not a psychiatrist. He's a psychopath. I mean, there's no oh, doubt. Absolutely. I mean, you just look at the, what, I mean, it's, it, we have so much just evidence. Look at his of, face. Well, yeah, if you, you, like, he's done a lot of really gruesome things. Like, so oh, yeah. you have, you have to be a psychopath. Well, you know, there's this belief that your soul is actually responsible for, creating the material appearance your physical appearance mm. and you know i don't know i'm this is just a theory but that you can tell a lot about people often not always often, mm. just by looking at their because your soul carries the weight of karma too and that affects it but right. the first time i saw a picture of Pergosian, i went oh my god who is this guy this is bad now i didn't know anything about him i didn't know who he was what about what about people like Kim Kardashian? Well, <laughs> I have a word. I have a word for that. I hate to be so critical because God knows what they've been through, and I have my suspicions. But yeah. uh, vapidity, she empty shell, a beautiful. But that's my point. Like you know, some people can be superficially, stunningly beautiful, but like completely vapid and shallow. But it's not about physical beauty. It's about. Oh, that's not what you're talking about. It's about. Well, I am. I am, but I'm not. Okay. <laughs> it's, a <combination> of, <laughs> it's a combination of the actual material, physical appearance, but there's something that augments it. Yeah, yeah, better. yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was just, I was just thinking about because you know there are a lot of people who are physically attractive but completely shallow. Oh, yeah, and it's easy to be deceived by that. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. But uh, I think when you have somebody just so evil, I mean. I have another two words for you. Forty-five. Well, Just... <laughs> you, you know what you got. You know you, what you should do on your podcast sometime is take a take some pictures, put them in an envelope, and then show them to you guys and see if you can pick out which one is like the criminal. Just by looking at their picture. Oh, Denise and me. Yeah. Oh God, that's really interesting concept. I have to find. Uh, 
a willing co-conspirator to actually yeah. put that what you're talking about really is uh remote viewing and Schwartz, Stefan, I always say it wrong. Stefan Schwartz was remarking that the term remote viewing is really inadequate and inaccurate. Uh, he, call, he called it non-local viewing? Non-local non viewing, non-local consciousness. You're tapping right. into it. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you could, you could, happens. you would have to not know these people that you, you, they'd have to be people that you hadn't seen Oh, and I seen am so before. well versed in psychopaths and serial killers. <laughs> you know a lot of criminals. <laughs> Would say, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to give you a little hint here. We have another uh, illustrious Canadian coming up soon. Oh, not another one. <laughs> Was it a former uh, prime minister? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We, you know, we're uh, uh, we're equal opportunity global. <laughs> okay. The the current premier of Ontario might be. I'm just kidding. What's his I'd name? Be, I have to be careful to get in trouble. Oh, you will. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I should yeah, probably shouldn't we, have said that. We try really hard to look at um, people who've been found guilty in court and or are dead. Right. Because that's yes. sort of a self-protection, you know. I mean, it's mm -hmm. pretty, I can't imagine if they're still alive that they could take umbrage if they're in prison right. or they've they probably served, don't a, care. served a lengthy term. Well, I don't know. Narcissists, you know. They maybe they do. Maybe they're still here and they haven't left. You know, like uh, apparently that's fairly common with people like that. They don't want to leave this dimension. Well, one of the things that makes them who they are is their deeply held attachment to the three-dimensional, dense vibration of the planet. You know, mm -hmm. and and, uh, and then other stuff. But they're tied so tightly to the planet. Yeah, because it's all about ego. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have a lot of work to do, John. Study, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if so, we get through this crisis, um, you know, the next few years, well, I'll breathe, I'll breathe a little easier when the Democrat. Well, I think if Trump and cohort get thrown in the slammer and their crimes are really heinous, as we all expect them to be, that might have a bearing on the public mood. I, You know, I'm a cynic at heart. Uh, I'm a pessimist, and by the way, the Duggars don't allow their children to read Winnie the Pooh because Eeyore glorifies depression. Eeyore is my spirit animal. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, no, I'm not for you. I mean, but them with Doug, like oh, I know, Winnie I know. the Pooh. It's, like, insa what? it's insanity. Ban it. Just ban it. Just get it over with. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, I, and Mickey Mouse. Get rid of Mickey Mouse. I don't think it... I, it does matter on a different level what happens with these ongoing trials, etc. But I think the ship has sailed as far as uh, containing closing Pandora's box. You, know. you do. Uh, oh well, well then you better start packing and move to Canada. Well, no, it's global. You'll still be a little bit better off here than you will be there if it's going to go that way. Irish citizenship, but you know, I've been talking to my cousin. I mean, you're you're all over YouTube. I mean, they they they're just gonna come after you and put you in a prison camp I somewhere. I know I'll be the the oldest uh, concentration camp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because it's not funny, and I I can easily picture a time when something like that might unfold. But you have to make choices, you know, about people. Moving are to Canada. What can we do? What can we do? There's not. 
a dramatic thing you can do. This is something I can do. I can I can voice my opinion constantly. I'm very good at that. Just ranting and raving. Uh, will it be to my personal detriment? God, I hope not. You know, but well, so do I. Uh, but that's why I'm encouraging you to leave. I'm just. Yeah. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm pulling your leg a bit. But. Well, I, no, you know what? You know what? No, you're not, because I hear you. Well, I look, hear you. Hey, look, look at what DeSantis is doing in Florida, and he's only getting started. But and then project the school to that. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to win, but somebody in the Republican, if if the Republicans win, it'll be someone in that of that ill. And you know what he's doing in Florida is no joke. Uh, no, it's not. He's and, very, and he's, very scary. Yeah, and if that was happening on a national level, you probably would have a slight window of opportunity to get out of the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't think we haven't had some serious discussions. Mm. Uh, my, my well, you're not too far. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with all of my uh, bleak? <laughs> it's going to be really hard to move. <laughs> oh, you're bleak? I have Bleak. Do you know the Irish China? Oh, no, I don't know it. Oh, okay. It's it's this, well, you know, amongst oh. some old ladies, it's famous. <laughs> well, look. China. Hmm? Well, you're you're not too far from British uh, well, Columbia. Talk don't talk about where I am. I don't. Oh, yeah, you're not too far from Canada. No, you know, I'm like, not. And I've but, been to Canada a lot. I mean, I've been you to could. The Pacific Northwest, and I've been to Canada. A lot. I right. love Canada. So well, there's got to be ways to get your China out of the country. Canada doesn't want us. Maybe you could find someone to smuggle it for you. <laughs> oh my god! Well, we just well, I, I don't think my daughters are going to watch this, so I feel pretty confident I can talk about this. My husband, you're going to die. This is this is a, an appropriate way to end this because we're all or over two hours. God. Oh um, my god. Yeah. We, we decided we've actually researched wow. it's just a matter of getting on the phone and, and signing the contracts we are going to arrange to be cremated and this christmas we're giving each one of my daughters one of my beautiful irish teapots with two ziploc bags inside <laughs> and that's going to be their urn for the ashes <laughs> oh oh is that well, the best Christmas present you ever heard in your entire life? <laughs> I it's better to be cremated by natural causes than, you know, well, that might be uh, than have the federal government too. involved in it. Sorry? We, we never did talk about the nuclear threat. <laughs> right. Because, oh, from with Russia? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think the, I, 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 I think what I think, to be honest with you, is that if that situation gets out of control, NATO's going to get involved, and Putin doesn't want that. Uh, that I agree. But yeah. what I'm more worried about is an accident at that nuclear plant. Right. But even then, they can monitor it <laughs> to some degree. They're not letting monitors in. Yeah, they can do it from satellites and stuff. They have a lot of technology. Um, uh, but if they get the sense that it's like critical, they'll probably say, like, if you don't do something about it, we're coming in there, and we don't give a shit what you think. I'm talking about NATO. It's they, I don't think they'll just sit by and let that happen. That's probably a red line. Yeah, I I, I can't comment. I just yeah. It's and, yeah. And, 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 and
Well, yeah, and I can guarantee you that Putin does not want NATO involved in this situation. <laughs> so well, the fear is that Putin is uh, a nihilist and, uh, you know, he's on his way up physically in age, medical condition and power. And uh, he may just say, who cares? It's possible. Man, we can hope that his narcissism will, will kick in that self-protective thing. Yeah. Well, he has children and stuff, right? So I'm told. Yeah. Yeah, but he's so, willing to medically experiment on them. <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, that's, not, uh, that's not my top worry personally right now. But No, no. I, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 pick your poison, John. Pick your poison. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, though, that how that whole thing blew up like for a couple of days and then just went like poof. <laughs> Well, no, I, they, don't think, I don't think that it's over, but I just think that the coverage has moved on. And just as a as sort of a final thing to end with something more uplifting, I have uh, a great sense of, uh, I, I'm trying not to use the H word, I have great faith in the, the coming generations. I think younger people mm. are horrified but with by what they see going on i hear them talking about it i hope and so especially the younger ones in their late teens early 20s they're not going to put up with this they've never lived in a world where they didn't have no. bodily autonomy they don't see any issues with things like gender identity and stuff no. i mean to them that's a non-issue you know the polling that i've seen is it's like if you pull young people uh, about where they stand politically, they're like 80% democratic. <laughs> that's why they want to raise the voting age. Yeah, I, I know, but, that, and that's, and I've been, I think I even said this the last time I was here, that the, the most critical thing the Democrats need to do is get young people out to vote. Yeah. Absolutely point blank period, because they're, they're almost guaranteed to vote democratic. Yeah. However they mobilize them, I don't know how, what it is, what tactics they use, but that's absolutely critical. So that means not doing stupid policies that are going to piss them off. Now, Biden is saying they're going to try and deal with the student debt differently, which is great. That's hopeful. And hopefully the uh, young people recognize how much of a threat the Republicans are to their future. Well, if, if, if they get desperate enough, maybe they should think of something like, you know, free uh, video game. What do you call them? Free uh Oh. games you know what they call <laughs> video games <laughs> yeah and free free iphones for everybody you know right. that'll get their attention <laughs> sure but the but the republicans could do that too but yeah i agree that i think that's that's absolutely critical yeah well i do have i do have a certain amount of optimism about them uh being more politically engaged and i also think that they're more evolved I agree with that. I just don't. The, historically, the young people tended to be disengaged with politics. That's all. These people are these. These are different. These okay. kids are different. You know. Hopefully. I, I, yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic here. All right. Yeah, because we're just a bunch of older people talking about all this stuff out here. And oh, I get all the blame. I can't tell you how many times I'm told I'm a boomer. <laughs> all for all the good that's done me. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of my friends are worse too. I'm just at the tail end, very tail end of it. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I, my children are spread apart so far that I have a little taste of each subsequent generation almost. Uh, and it's very interesting because they are dramatically different. 
Isn't that interesting? I I'm not I won't give away one of my topics, but I'm gonna let's just okay. say I'm gonna talk about that one of these days. Oh good. It's I'm fascinating. It's fascinating. So we can look forward to your next upcoming video and uh, I'll probably read cards, despite the fact we've talked so much today. And I confess that I have absolutely no idea how to break this up into sections and make it easier. So I hope that people are uh, okay with just putting it on pause and coming back to it later if they can't devote. The yeah, time. no, no, don't worry about that. I was surprised that the one I did with Scott was two hours long, and I'm like, who the hell's going to sit here for two hours and listen to this? <laughs> I did. But, uh, yeah, but. Uh, it's long, it, it, but it goes fast. It's surprising. When you're anyway. having a conversation, it does go fast. Uh, yeah. The art of conversation is slowly being lost. I wish people were more willing to engage. You know. You can next before you know it, you'll be having a chat with Chat GPT, a bot. That's the AI robot thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can I have you can sit there and talk with a a, a robot uh, all day. I know. If I don't know the person, I'm not gonna. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could do. You could get. To, you could get to, uh, AI to do tarot readings for you. Uh, you know what, John? I have trouble enough just handling <laughs> the text messages on my telephone. I think you know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. For thank you, and sorry for the short notice of availability. Oh, anytime. You know what? I don't have a life. That's fine. <laughs> No, it worked out perfectly. It worked out perfectly. We've yeah, been exactly. talking about doing another talk for weeks now. So ages. Sometimes yeah. you just have to rip off the band-aid. Yeah, as we did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. And, thank you. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, and take thank care. Thank you to everybody for patiently sitting through this slung foil. Slung yeah, if you made it this far, you're a star. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, bye.